The Accidental Entrepreneur is produced by Mindhacker Law and brought to you through our affiliate relationships with the following sponsors. One of One Productions, the New Jersey-based podcast studio that produces and edits both audio and video podcasts. They sell equipment for the average podcaster and have even created a guesting kit exclusively for our listeners. North Authentic, the conscious hair care marketplace offering the cleanest brands from around the world. The Healthy Place, the e-commerce site with thousands of supplements to help you live a healthier life, along with natural solutions for chronic pain, stress, anxiety, depression, sleeplessness, and much, much more. And be sure to support the podcast by ordering some logo merchandise from our online store. Listen to all of our sponsors' commercials later in this episode and follow their links in the show notes to learn more about their products and services. It still was wireless, but like, like it was installed in the wood, but like the memory, like the, the picture were taken or the images were taken and like they were recorded on site on the, on the SD card. So the right. hunter had to go on site to remove the SD card. And the point is like, Typically, Antar will have like anywhere between seven to ten of these devices, and, 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 and so every weekend or so, uh, the Antar will go on site and basically walk through his seven to ten cameras, remove the SD card from it, and then bring them back home, insert it into their. Uh, and what did it allow them to do? Just see what what wildlife was walking by the camera on a regular yeah, basis. Yeah. And, and it that, doesn't mean they're going to come back next time, right? By the time you get the SD card and you load it up and you get the pictures, right? Is yeah. that that it's valuable? A, it is valuable, and it's not. It, it's depending on what sort of game you are hunting. But like the point uh, is, like uh, when you're a hunter and you understand like the pattern of such an animal, for example, for a specific deer or a moose or, or a turkey, they follow like, the same path. Yeah, yeah. So, but like you do have to build it yourself. So you have to have the knowledge and the experience of hunting for several years, and, and like when you you get that SD card installed in your computer, you're like, wow, there's 200 picture. This is a tree branch moving. This is a squirrel. And now there, there is my deer. Like there's the one bug right. that I would like to get. It's a lot to, of work. You got to know what it's you're doing. It's a lot doing. of filtering. And right. you have to know what you're doing. So like at that point, prior to 2016, like that's how things were, were well, that's how hunters that's were, how they were done. Stuff. Right. Yeah. And so uh, Jimmy and Jan came up with the idea that we should connect them uh, to the cellular network. And, and like, like that came as an aha moment. Because because the reason why we've connected those cameras is because we had tech guy here that that, that were going in the woods uh, and, and we were testing like I don't know 100 to 200 cameras a day okay and, and they had to remove all the SD card and like that t- took a lot of time so we came up with the idea that maybe if we could connect them uh, remotely uh, right. and transmit it to our uh, like some sort of a platform we would remove that that waste of time between the, those things. yeah it all goes to the cloud automatically right yeah exactly it's almost so, real time yeah yeah. But at that point, when we've done that for ourselves, we were like, and we've got something there. Maybe the hunter would like to do that as well. The information provided in these episodes is for entertainment purposes only. It is not a guarantee of success or to be construed as advice of any kind. You should always seek advice from local licensed professionals before making any decisions. The dictionary defines an entrepreneur as a person who organizes and manages any enterprise, especially a business, usually with considerable initiative and risk. People often start a business without much choice, perhaps due to a job loss or just being dissatisfied at work, and they come up with an idea they just know can be successful. They become entrepreneurs by accident. That is to say their success or failure happens by accident, not with intention. My name is Mitch Beinhacker. I'm a corporate attorney and a business advisor. 
you're listening to The Accidental Entrepreneur, my podcast about how to achieve success on purpose, not by accident. Join me along with our monthly guests where we share our knowledge and help you get a hold of your business. And now on to today's episode. Hi, everyone. I'm, uh, I'm Danny Ingers. I'm the CFO uh, of Oscar. I've been an entrepreneur all my life or, as the, uh, or, or for as long as I can remember. Uh, and, and nowadays, I'm working on that incredible startup that is Oscar that's going uh, extremely fast. And that uh, is a well-deserving and highly successful security company. Okay. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the podcast. This is the post-COVID episode. Uh, I have a really interesting guest, um, international guest today. Um, so if you're watching on uh, YouTube, you'll see my little scruffy post-COVID beard kind of going on. I had COVID last week. Um, and uh, so we're recording today from my office. And uh, Danny will tell, tell us where he's from, where he's uh, recording from. And if you are watching on YouTube, be sure to subscribe, uh, hit, the, hit the like button. And if you're listening on your favorite directory and you can leave a review, please leave us a five-star review so we can keep bringing really good, really interesting content like that with our guests today. So Danny Angers, I want to welcome you from Vosker. We're going to talk about Vosker and all the cool things that you guys are doing. But maybe we want to go back a little bit, introduce yourself, talk about your background and kind of how you led up to you know, being the uh, CFO of Vosker, right? You're the CFO? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Good. And where, where, where are you broadcasting from? Or are we recording you from? Uh, from uh, my own place uh, in uh, Quebec, uh, well, Quebec, Canada. So yeah, international this is an place. international episode. I love it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. So it's all yours. Why don't you tell us your story? Well, uh, first, thank you, Mitch, for uh, taking the, the time to have a chat You're with welcome. me today. Yeah, it's, it's, exciting. A, it's a pleasure. So <laughs> uh, I, like I've mentioned to you before the recording started, I have had the chance to, to be an entrepreneur for basically all or for as long as I can remember uh, in my life. Uh, I've started many things, many business, many many of them that that were complete failure. Uh, a few of them that were uh, successful, uh, and obviously that led to uh, where we are today with Vosker. We sure. founded Vosker uh, about four years ago now, okay. uh, and we grew from well the first year we made about ten million in revenue, and nowadays we are heading towards uh, two hundred million. So yeah. Right. Yeah, so uh, you know, I look at like failures are not really failures. They're just like growing opportunities, right? You learn things and, yeah, and you and grow, it, and you probably learn more when you fail and when you succeed. <laughs> I think, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, One of the things that you always learn when you're failing, you learn a lot more, a lot quicker, uh, right. and that obviously at some point should lead to success in your life. You hope, right? Exactly. But Vosker, or maybe not the name of the company, but the the product that you were going to talk about really existed before, right? You kind of. Yeah met this guy so maybe you want to tell us a little bit about that yeah yeah sure how it yeah so yeah. so uh well we're three co-founder in bosker okay there's okay. my brother jimmy who is the president of the company so he's managing all the operation there's jan who is the ceo uh and was was one of the the, the founder of the other business when we met okay. and there's then there's myself so the how we met thing was like uh, about i would say like now maybe 11 to 12 years ago my brother and I had uh, a vending machine uh, business. So, you know, like uh, all these things where you sell uh, Pepsi and chips right, and, sure. and, and chocolate bar. And, and, and we <laughs> we wanted to find a new location to expand. And we knock it on. Like, I, I think I, I, I went to about 100 or maybe 150 doors. Like, uh, right. You were looking to, to place your machine. Yeah. Like, yeah. 
in these so locations, I, then you would collect and fill them and get the money right. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. And, and, and somehow uh, my, bro- my brother, at, at some point I told my brother, like, look, we're going to take a break because I've done a lot of calls and, and, and trying to enter myself and it didn't work. So, and typically I'm the one who's doing like uh, all these, uh, these sales pitch. And I, I told him like, look, we're going to take a pause. And then Jimmy uh, suddenly like, I don't know how, but uh, it, it, he went three location, and the third one was uh, what uh, was called Spy Point at this point, which is one of our brand uh, still today uh, acting. Got it. Okay. And, and Jan was there uh, with one of our employees that's still working with us today, and, and uh, basically he asked if he could uh, place his vending machine there, and, yeah. and the, the lady was like, "Yeah, sure." Uh, so okay. I did. I meet uh, about 100 to 150 uh, businesses and, and they all told me no. And then <laughs> somehow, like, it's always a, a numbers game, man. They're, like, of three times. And then Jimmy got, got in. And, right. and so we met Jan when he was about, I'd say, like, I don't know, like 27, maybe 28 ish years old or something so like that. But you weren't looking to change the business. You were building the, the roots for the vending machine. Company, yeah, yeah right? exactly. Yeah. And, and, and so we met him and, and we thought, and we 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 fulfilled the vending machine for about two years uh, before, mm-hmm. like getting to know each other a bit more. And, and like when you when you see other entrepreneurs, you kind of try to learn. And at that point, I was like maybe seventeen or maybe eighteen years old or something like that. So I was just like you were young, beginning right. in life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you even know what he did at that point, or you were just putting well, a vending machine there? Uh, well, well, we tried to figure out what what the hell they were doing because, like, <laughs> it seemed to, to to be going like uh, greatly for them. So at that point, like when we first started in the vending machine uh, spot, there were there were they, I think they had like four or seven employees, or something like that. So it wasn't okay. a very like highly successful spot for an, a vending. Right, machine. you weren't getting a lot of cash out of the machine because yeah. you weren't getting a lot of use. Yeah, but through the two years when we work with them, like like a lot of uh, a lot more employees started to stack in, and every time we like mm-hmm. we drive our car in to full, to like to basically uh, fill out the vending machine, we saw uh, more cars. Then that meant more employees, and, and, right. and things seemed to go well. So what got you curious bro- about what yeah, he was doing? Yeah, exactly. So my yeah. brother Jimmy came with the idea that we should ask them. Well, 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 well uh, yeah. What's what are you doing? How come you're growing so much, right? Yeah. Well, and, and not only that, but like we have asked them if we could work for them for free, uh, just to learn. Uh, <laughs> so, learn yeah. what? Like, like, did like, you know what he was doing at that point? Like, well, we wanted to learn like what 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 was successful about his business, what he was okay. doing, and then Jan uh, basically. Uh, what he was he was kind of curious of like he saw the two entrepreneurs uh in our in, in us and, and he saw the opportunity that maybe i could like uh, do something with these guys so uh he, he instead of uh hiring us for free he gave us a yeah. contract of like build um what was called a bench test uh, automation part so at that point there were cameras okay. and, and and they were testing it manually so it, it, to see if they were working uh, they were passing their hand in front of a camera, and the camera will tra- will see that there was a motion detected through like the heat and the the, the motion, and that will take a picture. And at that okay. point, like they were testing, I don't know, like four 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 camera per hour. And and Jan asked uh, my brother and I to basically build an automated part or an automated test that would enable like them to test a lot more cameras uh, because it was be automated. And so right. we had no clue of what. Well, what the that's hell what we I'm saying. Going. So here, you guys, you have roots <laughs> where you put vending machines out. What, why did Jan say, "Oh, these guys are perfect for building out <laughs> basically technology or some sort of a system to test yeah. the units"? Right? 
it, it, you just it got to know curious, each other. You were good friends. And he's like, oh, I, I trust these guys. You, you can figure it out. Well, well his point, and, and still to this day, is one, it is one of our main uh, value, or cult, and it's part of our culture. But he, he thought like, he saw the two entrepreneurs. So, yeah. and then he saw, and he was an engineer, but we weren't like, like right. I was studying, I was at university studying uh, management and accounting. Okay. And my brother was doing exactly the same. So and, no uh, technology background, no engineering no. background. <laughs> and, and, and you're like, what, 10 years, about 10 years younger than him at this point? Yeah, about, right? yeah. Just so okay. we have about 10 and a half year uh, okay. of difference in, in age. Okay. But, and at that point, I was like selling cell phone as a side business. Uh, and and that's about the only thing I knew about technology was about but like selling cell, cell phones. Phone. You mean you were selling service contracts I was a, to people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, yeah. I, I, I was a full-time employee at that uh it, it was called Kudo, and it's a big uh, cell phone company in Canada. Got it. And, and, and Jimmy was working for a competitor. And, and while we're doing this, we did add that vending machine business, and we were uh, studying full time. So it was, it was yeah. a hell of but a. But it's ride. not like you guys were ten years older than him, and he's like, no. "Oh, well, you have ten years more experience. You can help me." But it was totally the opposite. You guys are totally green. I mean, you're you're yeah. ambitious, obviously, right? You got a lot of things yeah. going on. But neither of you have a technical background. Neither of you have an engineering background. So the it's, point of Jan was crazy. really like. We're gonna ask them uh, to do something that seems impossible. That they, and if they are able to to achieve somewhat uh, some part of success, then then I'm gonna hire uh, them and we're gonna work together. So, so it was kind of almost like a test. Yeah, it was okay. like a test, and, right. and, and, and we work like that. And it's still to, to, till today, like every executive that gets inside of the business gets a some sort of an impossible task uh, to achieve. And we know that it's oh, that's a good, that's a good approach actually. Right. Yeah. And, and yeah. if they succeed, then like there are already an employees, but then if they succeed to do something impossible, then we move forward a lot faster. And if, and if they don't, we're going to try to solve it with them anyways. But right. it's like, it, it's creating that mindset of like, you have to deal with the issue, whatever is your background, just try to solve it because nobody's right. going to help you anyway. Right. So, so we built that machine. Uh, okay. The first, it, at first, it was in wood, in wood, and we basically uh, we mostly uh, started a fire inside of the garage of my grandfather. So, what did the machine do? How did it? Yeah, uh, well, yeah. like the the working one that we did supply. So we did supply one, uh, okay. and, and we built one, and it was a uh, with the electrical motors, and it was uh, there was an electrode uh, that that was emitting uh, heat, and it was passing in front of all the cameras, but instead of uh, like being well, instead of doing manually, while well, what we've built enabled the company to, like, I think it was able to test uh, 60 camera every 10 minutes or so instead of oh, like wow. four okay. right. per ends per, and it's still in use today. Uh, okay. so, but it's so, not in wood. It's not made out of wood. No, no, no. It's not made in wood. It's like in metal and all the electrical parts. But like that, that was the second version that we had because like in wood, we saw that uh, it was going to start fire. <laughs> so yeah, we, right. We, we built it. It was a, a great learning uh, part of our life for, for Jimmy and I. Like We had to go on YouTube and, and online just trying to figure out, like, make ourselves engineer without being engineers. <laughs> right. No, I, I look, I'm shocked that this guy, who you'd gotten to know, he was your friend now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of went with his gut a little bit. I mean, he did set up a kind of a system that said, okay, these guys have to pass this test. But, <laughs> yeah. I mean... Shit, it's a, and, and well, okay. that the relations really started there. So like, yeah. So, and, and at that point, uh, the the they hired us uh, to to do specific contracts. So my brother was working uh, to 
build all the supply chain in the operational sector and then one uh, was in marketing. But I, I thought that like I didn't really want it to work for somebody else. So like I did that for a few uh, months and then I quit and started another project which uh, didn't work. Uh, and then, oh, so you uh, so you kind of left Jan and then yeah. did tried so, something else. Yeah, exactly. So that, my brother. What uh, was that? Jimmy and and Jan were working together, and they it was together. a business of. Uh, I, I did design uh, like uh, a specific uh, product uh, for 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 shaving. Like uh, I I've noticed for shaving. That, yeah, you guys I, are real entrepreneurs. <laughs> you just go from one business to the other. Doesn't matter. I tried. I tried. I, I like best. that. I, that's really, yeah, absolutely. So what did it do? Yeah. Well. I, I really hated the fact of like uh, my hands getting dirty every time I was shaving. So I wanted mm-hmm. to find a way like to uh, to well like in old fashioned shaving. I saw that like you had the brush and like you yeah. basically use and a you cream do it and, and, apply and you it. go and you get a mess. Yeah. So so but that was kind of like taking a lot of time and I didn't have much time. So what I did is like I built a brush that I could fix on any uh, like. A, uh, can of cream like any like Gillette or whatever okay. other brands and I, I thought that that as what isn't made before so I tried to basically market that uh, it did add some success at first but then it, it, I saw that like at that point Amazon wasn't that big and selling online wasn't that that that, that big and also I, I was trying to supply it from China and, and like it was just hard uh, yeah it, it was hard I, so I, this I is like the, the shaving cream would spray through the brush yeah, exactly. And then exactly. you just take it. You okay. just you just All take right. it away. Like a little, you could fix it on any idea yeah. there. Yeah. Well, okay. I tried okay. something. It didn't work. I still have a lot uh, of those brush at home. <laughs> yeah, that's what happens when you're an entrepreneur. You end up with garage fulls of things <laughs> yeah. from one business to the next, right? So, but you, just like yeah, I've mentioned prior to that, so there was a yeah. lot of learning there. And then uh, I, I paused for a while and just like. I had started about four business at that point, uh, and just was trying to figure out like what was the next step. So I, I, I how old were you at this point? Well, maybe twenty-one or twenty-two. Something. So this is uh, just out of college, basically. Just yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, wa- okay. I was finishing college. I, I was, I was still working uh, forty to forty-five hours hours to my my work, and then well, basically going uh, being at uh, at college and then trying to start that. So that was like a bit tough. And I well, told young, myself, so, like, yeah, you work eighty hours a week. You're able, not, you're able right? to work those eighty to hundred hours yeah. without any issue. So what I did is that I, I, I tried to find a work where I could learn stuff and still maybe where I could uh, set up other business opportunity. So I okay. went to work at uh, at the bank. I was uh, in charge of. Uh, at first, I was a customer service manager, so I was uh, managing a, a team of ten employees. Uh, were basically in the there were clerks uh, working around in in a bank, uh, so so it, it taught me a, a couple of things. And then I saw that there was opportunity, and I was finishing my degree in business and accounting, and I was like amazed by the fact that there was that sort of job where you could be uh, in finance helping businesses uh, to finance their growth. So this this is where I saw an opportunity. Basically, like wow, I can meet other entrepreneurs. Right. And, and, and try to well basically set, see what's working and what's not working. Learn about how to finance and how to basically fund a business. And I, I like finance is one of my passion, business right. finance. Yeah. So I was like, well, this is for me. Like it's business development as well. So this as was finance. like a Canadian bank, or yeah, exactly a Canadian okay. bank. So, so I, I I've done that for about three years and a half or so. And while I was doing that, I was also starting another business. Uh, okay. <laughs> so, 
in ways with I that. Know, fight, I know, so. I love it. Like you can't <laughs> sit still, right? Because you're yeah, doing yeah, one no. thing, like I got another idea. Exactly. So at yeah. that point, my brother was still working with Jan and we were like, we were very good friends and every like weekend or so we were, were having some sort of party where the three of us would sit. Your brother doesn't have the entrepreneurial itch like you? Like he'll just keep no, no, he, he was doing he, the same thing. He did. And he has, well, every business that I've done, I've done with him. Oh, okay. Uh, so that's the point. And I, I, my first business in life or first business endeavor is that I was born on the exact same day than my brother because he's my twin. Just a different year. Oh, you're twins? <laughs> exactly. Identical so, twins or fraternal twins? No, we, fraternal. Yeah, okay. we don't look the but same. But same day you're born. Who came out first? Him or you? Yeah, I did. So, so okay, I'm well, the one that always... explains a lot. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm not sure if that ex- explained that much, but I, I'm usually the one who's like uh, kicking the doors and trying to open uh, a new opportunity. And he's Got the it. one making sure we're going to make money with it. <laughs> Got it. Okay. That's a good team though, right? Yeah, exactly. We, yeah. we we both have our way to operate. And, and then, yeah. so all my business opportunity and business things that I've done, I've done with him. And at that point, like I was meeting a lot of entrepreneurs with various businesses. Through the bank, through the position. Yeah, through the, the bank, bank position, okay. position. And I was analyzing like their finance uh, strategy and all their product uh, uh, and services. And, yeah. and Jimmy was like, I think at that point during those years was like about, half of his year to like three quarter of his year in Asia, developing uh, the supply chain, the operation and all the technical part of the business that we're growing at that point. That was called for Spy the, Point. For Jan's business. Yeah, exactly. What was it called at that point? Spy Point. Spy, Spy Point. Okay. And, and it's still, it's still a, a big chunk of our business today. So what we've done right. with Vosker is basically we, we, the three of us tried to merge together everything we were doing uh, yeah. and we started from that. So, and, so at that point, Jimmy was al- always going in, in Asia, uh, working with v- various manufacturers, and I was meeting entrepreneurs. So the idea w- that we came with was like, I could ask entrepreneurs if they wanted to basically cut middleman between them and Asia and, and try to reduce their costs. And for example, you were building, I don't know, something that costed you one box. Uh, I'll try to find it for 50 cents. And then I'm going to pocket the difference and you're going to pocket the So like almost cents. like a broker. Yeah, exactly. So right. I was like, okay. basically, I, I was becoming a, the biggest. People still do that. Yeah, you can yeah. hire them. You, you know, they don't have any connections in China. You did, so yeah. Yeah. So so we we did great with that business. We still exist today. Uh, still running okay. uh, a, a few million dollars a year, and, and, and that business enabled us to basically launch another business, which was in real estate. So nowadays we still manage right. about 150 locations. Uh, or um, apartments. What, units? Apartments? Yeah, units. Yeah, units. Okay. Uh, and that's a side business. Yeah, uh, well, not that small of a side business. 150 <laughs> units is a lot. Yeah. Well, yeah. so we did accumulate a lot of wealth through that. So, so that business was very successful. Obviously, uh, it didn't take that much time and it was earning a lot of profit day one. And, and, and right, because it's it all basically big. just markup. You, so yeah, if somebody wants to source a, a product out of China, you take it over and do it for them and if you find yeah. for 25 cents, you might charge them 50 cents or I don't know. Yeah. And then like we professionalized our, ourselves a bit because like uh, we noticed that people didn't have the experience uh, for plastic molding and electrical parts, which we were at that point becoming a, like some sort of like a champion in that area. Okay. So that that's that's where the, the core of our business came from. And plastic that's, uh, molding? Plastic molding and, electri- and electrical parts like, okay. like wires and all these stuff. Yeah, sure. 
and so the, the point was simply to grow as fast as we could. So we, we've done that. And at some point, I was doing that, plus my job at the bank, plus the real estate. And on the other side of the spectrum, me was doing that with me and was right. working with SpyPoint. And we were always talking with Jan about new ideas, what we should do. And about 2016 or, or something, or yeah, 2016, I think, uh, okay. Jimmy and Jan came up with the idea that we should uh, connect the cameras that, that were like for the SpyPoint brand they are hunting cameras. Like they, they are so used what for, were the, that's what they were originally used for, hunters? Yeah, yeah exactly. The, okay. So hunters use it to monitor the wildlife passing in front of their camera and seeing like, where should I go for hunting at a specific time? But, but right. Now, what's, prior, Danny, what's the problem with the cameras? Like before SpyPoint had their wireless option, what did the hunters have to do? Yeah, well, like, it, it, it still was wireless, but like, like it was installed in the wood, but like the memory, like the, the picture were taken or the images were taken and like they were recorded on site on the, on the SD card. So the right. hunter had to go on site to remove the SD card. And the point is like typically a hunter will have like anywhere between seven to 10 of these devices. And, 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 and so every weekend or so, uh, the hunter will go on site and basically walk through his seven to 10 cameras, remove the SD card from it and then bring them back home. Insert it into their uh, and what did it allow them to do? Just see what what wildlife was walking by the camera on a regular yeah, basis. Yeah. And, and it doesn't mean they're going to come back next time, right? By the time you get the SD card and you load it up and you get the pictures, right? Is yeah. that that it, valuable? It, it is valuable, and it's not. It, it's depending on what sort of game you're hunting. But like the point uh, is, like uh, when you're a hunter and you understand like the pattern of such an animal, for example, for a specific deer or a moose or, or God, a turkey, they follow like, the same path. Yeah, yeah. So, but like you do have to build it yourself. So you have to have the knowledge and the experience of hunting for several years. And, and like when you you get that SD card installed in your computer, you're like, wow, there's 200 picture. This is a tree branch moving. This is a squirrel. And now oh, there, there is my deer. Like there's the one bug right. that I would like to. It's a lot to, of work. To get. You got to know what it's you're a doing. Lot of filtering, and right. you have to know what you're doing. So like at that point, prior to 2016, like that's how things were. Or, well, that's how hunters that's were, how they were done. Stuff. Right. Yeah. And so uh, Jimmy and Jan came up with the idea that we should connect them uh, to the cellular network. And, and like, like that came as an aha moment because, because the reason why we've connected those cameras is because we had tech guy here that, that, that were going in the woods uh, and, and we were testing like, I don't know, 100 to 200 cameras a day. Okay. And, and they had to remove all the SD card and like that t- took a lot of time. So we came up with the idea that maybe if we could connect them uh, remotely uh, right. and transmit it to our, like some sort of platform, we would remove that, that waste of time between the, those things. Yeah, it all goes to the cloud automatically, right? Yeah, exactly. It's almost so, real time. Yeah. Yeah. But at that point, when we've done that for ourselves, we were like, and we've got something there. Maybe the hunter would like to do that as well. Oh, you mean you did it originally for the testing? Yeah. Just to make yeah. the testing easier. Yeah, exactly. And then you're like, wait, wait a second. Why aren't we selling it this, this way? Okay, good. I yeah, but it. at that point, like, like remember, nowadays it seems like a very cool and easy things to do, but like, right, 2016. It right, yeah. it cellular networks weren't built yeah. like that. No, like people were just starting to use cell phone and just starting to get to know what was a cell phone. Right. <laughs> there weren't a lot of smartphones, right? It yeah. was the, the, the and images Connectivity was not exactly the same as it is today. So like, right. and just like getting with the, fir- the first camera that, 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 that SpyPoint sold with uh, the cellular network enabled, uh, it was like a $500 dollar device, which nowadays like, and at that point, like 
typical hunting camera were sold anywhere between 80 to 150 dollars. So it was a lot less expensive. Yeah, well, it, yeah, a lot less expensive than a cellular model. And thus, right. the cellular model, you had to pay a monthly fee. Yeah, you also uh, needed cell service. Yeah, exactly. So you need yeah. the connectivity transmit. So, like, we had to convince people to basically like use that. But for for very dedicated hunters, it was such a game changer that they were like happy to invest that amount of dollars because right. it saved them so much time and effort. Yeah, and when you have one of these devices, you start to question yourself, like, why the hell am I keeping going in the wood uh, for like the seven or eight others that are not cellular? Right. So, like, the likelihood that you will invest in the second one, the third one, and fifth one. Uh, it, it, it's pretty high. But don't and you so, need a cellular plan for each camera? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? But you can't put them all on one number. Exactly. <laughs> so so you, you need a, a cell connectivity by, by devices, and we're trying to like get that as affordable as we can for the client right? Uh, so that, that he can get all the cameras once. But like what we've noticed uh, in like 26, 2016, we, we launched that. 2017 was our first couple uh, of months. And, and we started yeah. noticing something very strange. Before that point, we didn't know exactly what the client was doing with, with, with his camera. But we assume it was hunting. Because like... Well, that's who you're selling it to, right? It's yeah. a hunting camera. It was a hunting camera sold in hunting like uh, retail that's where it was sold, hunting supply stores. Yeah, exactly. But the, okay. the point like... We were selling at Walmart, but in the outdoor division for on right in that department, right? Yeah, but the the point that we saw that at, at that moment was like now, like when you activate a camera, you have to install the app and and, and say and, and give us a bit of information about where what are you doing? And we were surveying uh, our our clients, so we knew at that point that like Paul bought a camera, and and Paul installed the camera, but he didn't install it in the wood. Oh, because it was wireless, you were capturing the data as to like where it was being installed and what it was being used for and things like that. Yeah. And so we started questioning our client and basically asking them like, 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 like we have, we had their information. So we called them and say, Hey, could you tell us what you're doing with your cam? <laughs> right. Why and, is it on this street corner near this building where there's yeah, deer, and, you know, and, deer and, or moose going by? Yeah. And, and well, you, we had to deal with privacy thing because like it's data. So it's sensitive, but like. We did everything we could to protect that that part, but like we really noticed that thirty to thirty five percent of the time, uh, the folks that were buying our camera were using it for something else than hunting. Other, so, but that's a lot. Yeah. So, so, so I assume but one you know, third it, of the it camera. Makes a point, it makes a point though. How important my son works in this industry. Just graduated college. How important data analytics are. Hey. Like the access to data affects so much because. If you didn't have access to any of this data, you would have just kept selling them in hunting stores. How exactly. else would you? Yeah. And, okay. And we started to notice, like, wow, this 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 might be a good opportunity because, like, what we started reflecting, or we at that point it was Jimmy and Jan starting to think about that. And at that point, we bought, uh, we had bought a part of SpyPoint, small shares. Okay, you bought into SpyPoint. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So so we were uh, uh, co-owners, and then we we were like, well, maybe we should try to use that 30% of a thing and, and try to address it in a different right, market. A much bigger market. Yeah, because like we didn't know exactly that 30% what it what it was, but we saw so many different vertical like farming, uh, pest control, uh, ag okay. tech. Like, right. But just it, it wasn't clear, but but we knew there was something because like a third of our cameras were bought for that. And, and like our cameras are sold in hunting spot. Imagine if right. they were sold everywhere else uh, that, that yeah, 
and that folks knew that no, it would be existed. 80% of it would be non-hunting, right? And yeah, much so- bigger business, right? Here's a word from our sponsors. Looking to get into podcasting? Maybe to market your business for your own enjoyment or because you have a message you want to get out there. One of One Productions is a New Jersey-based studio just over the George Washington Bridge that caters to the booming business of podcasting. They offer a comfortable atmosphere using the latest technology available to record your podcast. And they are a full-service media company offering both audio and video production services, creating both audio and video podcasts as well as video shorts for business and personal use. Professional audio equipment packages are available through their website for all budgets, and be sure to check out their podcast guesting kit, created specially for our listeners. Care for your health, care for the planet, and look flippin' great doing it. North Authentic is a conscious hair care marketplace offering the cleanest brands from around the world. Their pro stylists curate only the most fabulous non-toxic hair products with better-for-you shampoos, serums, masks, and more that actually give you gorgeous hair without hurting your health or the planet. Hey, you've only got one life, one planet, and one glorious mane. Might as well treat them all as best you can, right? Try a 100% clean hair care routine prescribed just for you using their link in the show notes. If you don't see a big, beautiful difference in how your hair looks and feels, you can tell them they're crazy. Do you battle chronic pain, stress, anxiety, or depression? Well, if you take any supplements or you're interested in natural alternatives, you need to know about findyourhealthyplace.com. Find Your Healthy Place has thousands of supplements to help you live a better quality of life, as well as natural solutions for chronic pain, stress, anxiety, depression, sleeplessness, and much, much more. Need guidance? Use their live chat feature and talk to a wellness consultant right on their website. And be sure to use our coupon code TAEPODCAST for all your purchases to get the best prices at findyourhealthyplace.com. Follow their links in the show notes to learn more about all of our sponsors. And now back to our show. So it, it was at that point like we were about making that, 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 that maybe 8 or 10 million in revenue threshold. Okay. So, so, and then, then we founded Vosker on that basis. So Jimmy and, and Jan called me and said, hey, like, we need someone to, to kickstart that new venture. And, and say, yeah, like, you knew finance and, and, and that stuff. Your brother knows marketing. It's, yeah. You got all the skills that you've been developing. I knew finance, business development, and entrepreneurship. So uh, like, at that point, we're, we sit each, each other, the three of us together, and we say, we say, well, maybe we should start that business apart instead mm-hmm. of doing it. Spy point, just to make sure that we already have a, a great working brand uh, and it's going fine. But in order to not uh, defocus the team, let's start a new brand and see uh, if it if it works, then fine. And if it fails, then like so, keep the spy fine. point for the hunting industry, yeah, and exactly. start a new brand for other people because the marketing would be different anyway. So like, of we course, like, right? Let's try to reach a bigger market. Yeah, you probably confuse brand. the whole hunting industry if you started marketing it there. You'd lose those customers. Yeah. So that's the point. So that's how we've done. Uh, right. and, and, and what we we saw, uh, so we launched at that uh, venture in 2018, and then we we saw that there was uh, a lot of technology that we were developing in security that could be useful in the in the well hunting industry and and vice versa. So we basically merged the two companies. So nowadays, like what we call Vosker, is basically Vosker Corp owning like the Vosker security line and like the the Spy Point brand, and we grew at that point. Uh, from that 10 million or so in revenue, maybe it was about 15 at that point, uh, to the heading towards like uh, this year, we're going to hand uh, around 200 million. So 200 million. See, yeah. so the market's much bigger than 
Well, the opportunity of close. like just cellular connectivity is much bigger yeah. than we expected. Right, so, and the industry kept growing, and the and the infrastructure kept growing, which helped your business. So we grew in hunting, we grew in security, and we we are outpacing the growth in both markets. So like there are opportunities, but like since we 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 grew that fast, I knew that uh, like there were capital that would be needed at some point, of but course. like we didn't want it to dilute ourselves too much because. Uh, we knew that we had something here. And no, that, but like, what you need? You need a capital to improve manufacturing to increase the number of units that were coming out. Well, there was a lot of project, and depending on what <laughs> year, but like just launching a new brand, like you need to commercialize it and and to, to make some brand awareness, or you need to invest right. in that. Marketing we is needed, expensive. We saw that the, at that point, like our margin were weren't that high on the recurring piece, but we knew that like with some R and D. Uh, we could not only uh, get a better pricing for the client, but also uh, upgrade our margin uh, a lot for ourselves. So we had to do some R&D on that. As well as, remember when I told you like the device was sold at 500 bucks, it's because yeah. it was literally costing us that price. It, it, right, you, it was almost, uh, it was almost it, a it, very small margin. Yeah, and so what we tried to do is basically just like, uh, I'll take the example of Tesla, we built something different so we just try to reduce the price so much so that at some point, a lot of people could start in buying that. So we had a, a, a very expensive model, but we had to do some a lot of R&Ds to actually develop what was to become the, the model right. where... So now I see it online. It's under $300 a unit, right? Yeah. yeah. So we have $300 uh, units for Bosker and for Spy Point, we, we've reached that goal of like 100 bucks or so. So people are like, wow. wow. Instead of buying it, and why should I buy uh, another camera? Right. I'm gonna uh, uh, buy one that's transmitting. And and the cool thing with hunters, for example, and to get back to your point of data, is that yeah. like through data analytics, we are able to supply them uh, 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 advices that they wouldn't get before that. So, for example, remember when I was telling that you had to know what you were doing with hunting to right, like, all the like, cameras, all the pictures, and, know what you're yeah. looking at, right? But with AI and data, we do that for you. We we can tell you like, look, today it's a rainy day at this specific location. It's like you sh- you should go on to that place instead of that one. We, we oh, can, we can do- map out like where the animals are going depending on the weather and the day and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and, and there are some things like wow. you, you don't want you you're giving them advice and recommendation about like temperature and all these stuff. You cannot know for sure if if there's something that's going to be there, but you don't want to. Uh, you you cannot just film. Because there's something about hunting, you have to make sure that the animals are not uh, put at a disadvantage. So, in order for it to not be poaching, you cannot. We can see uh, exactly now. Right, what's there's got to be a sport to it. It's not fair to the yeah. animal. That's what I was going to say. It's you got to make a device to help the animals. That you're like you're helping the people, and the animals just getting shot all over the place. Yeah. So, so you cannot do that because otherwise that 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 would not be a, like sports any, anymore. Right. So, what we've done is that we uh, deliberately blocked our camera not to transmit our hunting one not our security one yeah uh, not to transmit immediately so because because if you were to know for example that like, ah, there's a big buck right in front of my camera you would take your pickup and go and try to shoot it but like it, it, the point is that we don't want to be part of that we want to to be part of a sport so we deliberately like you said the capacity of our camera to transmit immediately uh, or, or tweak it in a way that made sure we did respect and our client did respect the law in various states about that and make sure that not only the law but the fact that it's a sport remains right that's all built into the algorithm of how the camera works and exactly exactly and and that's the same thing for security for security it's a different matter like you want to monitor who's getting in your backyard 
Or, yeah. uh, so you want to see its face. Yeah, you want to see real time. Yeah. And we're working on two AI analytics where like we give you recommendation of like, look, it, 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 three days in a row, we've we've seen that pickup, suspecting like right. activity. Suspicious. Yeah, yeah right. And, so we're moving towards that. Uh, but you always have to be careful because like there's data privacy issue and all these stuff. Yeah, I mean, the, the companies like Ring and Simply Safe, they all have those kind of issues too. You know? Yeah, exactly. So we are like, we are hiring a bunch of lawyers to make sure that what we do is it right is it okay and we all we strive ourselves to just be a good company like like yeah like we i do understand uh like i'm a user of a lot of device you can see my ring and my, my, my right my, right yeah like, you show me offline man yeah yeah so i I'll, i have all these stuff right i, I understand like the privacy is a, a main issue for everyone so everything that we have as data right now is like anonymized randomized and if you want to extract something it's it's a lot harder than at first when we started right, it's very but like, secure as secure yeah, as it can be we, we well secure as we we can make it secure but like you never know when a, a hacker is going to try to of course like, you always yeah. want to be one step ahead but it doesn't yeah. stop you do your best but like at some point somebody could like, like try to to, to 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 do something that's wrong and, and you cannot do that much about it, but we are doing yeah. our very best for that too. Now, I want to ask you a question, and then maybe we can get into raising money. Like, if you're a startup and you have a, you know, how did you go about raising money, and how does people go about it? But I don't remember if I asked you this offline. What, what, where did the name Vosker come from? <laughs> what does it stand for? Yeah, that, that's a good one. That's a great question. So the, the honest truth is that it wasn't supposed to be called that uh, before, okay. and, and, and we did book uh, uh, a trade show. And we had like two weeks to basically find a name because we had to print all the polo shirts and all the right. stuff. Yeah. And like it was the 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 D day. We had to choose something. And we were going every every year or so. Uh, my brother uh, Jan and I are going hunting uh, moose hunting. It's very far in the wood, and we tried to uh, to find names. So we were writing down a bunch of names. I, I, Jan was driving, was was saying things out loud. I was taking notes. Was just trying to like. Uh, figure out what sort of name and jimmy was on like the uh patent and trademarks uh trying to see like search right yeah is that name taken and we basically came up with like a a list of about five to six names uh while we were trying to drive and it's a long drive i think it's like seven to eight hours to get to our hunting location and so we had a a lot of times and once we got down to those names uh we picked up the phone and we started to call uh, our friends and what 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 I would say uh, I will call them the average Joe of this world and ask them like, look I'm gonna give you five names tell me which one. This ones. was the focus group you like didn't have a lot of time <laughs> but this was your focus group right exactly like, yeah. like, so we've called them and, and like we we we've got those five names and and Busker came out as the one that 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 sounded the best and what we wanted it to sound is something like a like quality and uh that could be not scary but like it it, it seemed like like there was something there like you cannot treat that in in, in a way that's not respectful and, and it, it, I, we thought like if it could sound like scandinavian or german that 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 would like that would fit with the with our accent that our, our <laughs> french canadian speaking and people right. would think like we're like, german like <laughs> right so 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 that's how so it Vos- came but vasco is a made-up word it doesn't mean yeah it just doesn't mean anything and like yeah. uh like, like we bought the the dot com and this is how it, it was available right yeah, yeah exactly they have the, tra- have the trademark in the u.s and in canada yeah exactly yeah <clears throat> that's a good story though it doesn't it's not like it's a combination of 
the first three letters of something and the last three letters of yeah. something else. We just tried a lot of like, we just like, oh, that word. I, I, I think we, we I, honestly, we had about 30 at first and then we just tried to figure it out. Narrowed it down. Yeah. Do you remember uh, one or two that were in the final running? Yeah, something like Jester and Falco or like Flector or I don't know, like something. <laughs> and Bosker ended up. Yeah, yeah it, it ended up to be Bosker. Yeah, V is very Scandinavian. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, no, no. That's, I'm just curious about that. Okay, so let's get into then raising money. So now you know that there's this potentially much bigger market, or at least you think there is, like there's something going on. How did you start? Because you did know finance, right? And you had work for banks. So how did you start by looking to raise capital, really? Private yeah, investment. Well, so we wanted to find the right partners. And, and, and at first, we raised a debt because we were able to raise debt. Uh, so right, meaning you borrowed not, money, the yeah, issue debt yeah, yeah. securities. And, 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 and that when, when, we, when the elastic was at the maximum capacity of like where the debt could uh, bring us from, I, I knew or we knew that like we should take equity. And by we knew, I made like sure that the bank called us and said like, look, it will be a really nice time so that you guys take equity. <laughs> so this wasn't private borrowed money that converted to equity. This is like you borrowed money from banks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. So they're like, I think uh, you guys should raise some money and pay us off. Right? That was basically <laughs> it seemed it that way. Because like, look, they, they love it, the fact that we were growing as fast as we were growing. But like, like the scariest thing for banks is like basically when you grow too fast and you don't have enough equity, then at some point that may fail. Right. So you got to be able to they, service your debt. Yeah. So they asked yeah. us like, look, we, 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 we understand that you have got a great business, but if you could find some partners that could be helpful uh, in a lot of ways. So this is how, what we've done. Okay. So, and, and, but before starting, like, I must mention something. The reason why we started raising uh, capital in various ways is because uh, we have this thing in our business where we always ask who we should talk to next. Okay. okay. And, and that may seem like a weird question, but I, I'm, I'm going to explain you why it's important. Okay. Because I started doing that a couple of years ago, and that has allowed me to meet a lot of successful people. And every time I was meeting someone so su successful, I was asking, Tell me what is it you do in life to be successful? Right. And how do you see Get advice world? from people that have Yeah, that, that, been that have been successful. And I've asked them like, if I can help you out in any way, just let me know. Okay. And then I was always asking to those successful people, do you know someone else I should talk to? Like, who, right. who should I talk to next? And that led me to meet various entrepreneurs, uh, successful one, unsuccessful one, various executive, uh, and, and, and like in, in every sort of business, uh and and some like or like multi-billionaire guy. That, that, right. that, that, that is great advice because you're building a network and you're getting advice and learning things. Yeah, it exactly. took them a lifetime to figure out. And so, so I was, while doing that and while reading books and just right, trying to do our, our, our best with the business, we, we thought that like with all these things, it should be time to raise equity. But like one of the contacts that I, I, that I have told me that, Danny, do you know what's the, <laughs> that's really funny. I, I'm not sure if I could say that right now, but like he, he told me, do you know what's the biggest technological advantage of a technological company? Okay. A tech company. I was yeah. like, well, no, tell me. I assume like it's IT, uh, people, right. culture, whatever, like something like men or related to the business. And he told me, no, it, it, it's how much money it can raise to grow faster and basically yeah. overtake its market. Right, because they burn there. Because you're always in a race when it comes to yeah. technology. Yeah, you, you just want to basically like in technology, there can only be one winner. Like, right. like, and you can have a few like that will be number two or three, but like, yeah, like you number still make one, money, right? But yeah, yeah right. 
the number one is going to take 70 to 80% of the market and yeah. like all the profit profitability that comes with it. So yeah. from that like little part or a piece of advice, I was like, wow, that that's profound. Uh, <laughs> right. I hadn't really thought of it that way. Yeah, exactly. So because at that I point, s- you guys have been resistant to really raising capital, right? Giving away equity. Yeah, because we kind of know that like, look, we're the number one in the hunting space. We're also the number one in security right now. Uh, and like our business model is some sort of mousetrap. And you, yeah, the, the, it's an ecosystem. Once yeah. It's just like uh, when you start with a, uh, your Apple iPhone. Like, right. You, you start with an iPhone, then you, you get, get a MacBook. You get in the world. Every, right, exactly. You get an iWatch. And, and then like the next thing you know, the, the next Next time you're going to change a cell phone, you're not going to buy a Google piece or something. And it's no, because you got to change Google. everything. Then you got to change yeah. your laptop. You got to change your phone. You got to change your watch. And, and you invested all that time building, right. like all like in, inside of the software, as well as like investing money into like thousands of dollars into that. So, right, we try to apply that model to our business in, in yeah. such a way that, like, look, a hunter has typically seven to ten cameras, and our security user has anywhere between three to four cameras typically when he's got at max uh, like uh, at the right peak potential so we were like look if we can reach a certain peak level uh the the, the churn or the level of attrition of our client will be very low and we will have right, significant leaving is difficult and, and you don't want to so if you're right. a hunter for example we we've gathered all that information about your hunting and, and now we can give you advice that nobody can uh, can give you and on the other side of the spectrum you're a job site owner and you see so much value in like uh, now you can monitor three locations at once that you could not monitor prior to that because you didn't have access to Wi-Fi or electricity. And now right. that thing is enabling you to, to like just monitor when you're not on site. Uh, you can now have three or four sites more than what you were building prior to that. So like when you see that much optimization into your life, you're willing to invest. And once you've invested, quitting doesn't seem like a right option. And, right. and investing into a competitor doesn't seem like a right option too, because like you already have those twelve cameras, for example, already on a plan, and you right. already know how the two. You're going to now change out other equipment. And Why try would you start with together? just one? Like, yeah, right. yeah, exactly. That that doesn't seem like a good idea. No, anyway. it doesn't make sense. So now, just so people listening, your cameras are. It's for people that like don't have access to Wi-Fi or don't have good Wi-Fi signals or where they are internet, right? So they can yeah. use them without worrying about that. They don't have to run a that, telephone pole up the street or something. So our cameras, they work where others don't. Right. So when, when you don't have access to a Wi-Fi or a, a wired connection, and, and that you don't have access to electricity. So for example, the others, yeah. would, it was a great example. Yeah, but, that's important too, that people yeah. understand that. No elect- yeah. You don't need electricity either. It's all solar, no, right? It's solar power, battery powered, and, and, right. and you just basically can change battery when it's off. So like the good example that we saw uh, at first was a construction site monitoring. So when you're building something from the ground up, yeah, you don't have the you don't have yeah, neither of those, right. right? But but you still want to monitor like are your employees uh, working safely? Have you received uh, the stock of that day to so that your employee People can carry on their from work? The site, right? Vandalism, steal, stealing your stuff, yeah. like like all these things that you couldn't watch before that point. You pay three hundred bucks and twenty bucks a month, and then you're you're, you're good to go. You can right. you can you can monitor each one of your sites and so, so and it's the same for farming. You want to connect and see. Well, you have forty acres of land and you want to see the end of your of your place. Well, unless you, you can't do Wi-Fi that way, and you're not running yeah. wires through the ground out to the trees. Well, if you want to run a, a wire, is going to like t- cost you ten thousand bucks. Like, like, yeah, exactly, like, it, it doesn't make sense. Can't do but, it right. But now you can use our product. So 
So makes it, a lot of sense. And, and people are increasingly uh, buying them for for their own monitoring, but because like as you may know, your Wi-Fi works at a certain distance, like 30 feet farther from your Wi-Fi, doesn't it work. doesn't work anymore. So right. if you want to monitor your, your driveway or your, uh, your backyard or something like that, your, like the garage at the end of the... Uh, 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 yeah, of if you have a land, deep backyard, is that going to work? It's not going to work, so you buy our camera. So th- this, this, this is a difficult use case. We haven't built camera, as we're not going to build camera, at least not in the like, foreseeable future or the near future, to, to do some home automation or home monitoring. And it's not our business. It's not our right, core. Right, it's not your business. Right. So, so the reason why we haven't uh, focused on to raising capital at first is because we saw that, like, look, we can build something with, like, 80% or the lion's share of an industry, like, uh, in, in, in two different verticals and dominate without uh, sharing any piece of it. So, like, we've done our best not to dilute ourselves, but at some point, we, we, we saw and understood that if we wanted to be the the uh, deep layer or, or right, the, the, the only one, one, the number right. one, we had to take capital. So that this is how we, we started like, okay, we've made a plan and we see like, since we want to be number one and we have a plan to be number one in the future, what are the next steps to achieve that? If I want to send tens of millions of camera a year, what are the, the like the steps to get there? Because right now I'm only selling a million or so. So like there's something uh, that you, that we have to build. And so you need money or on the, Working cap, uh, hiring great people, and and you cannot do it alone. Like now, right. uh, nowadays we're about three hundred and seventy employees. But like, honestly, it's a big work, payroll. It's a big payroll. You have to pay them. But if you want to double in size, uh, you have to hire more marketing, more sales, more infrastructure, and legal advice, and then all these stuff. So, so you got to professionalize yourself, and you cannot do it alone in a way that sure. like, you you need great executive, but you also need great engineer. And you also need great customer service relationship people and, and, and operational people in accounting and so so these people you need to invest in them invest in your relationship and, and re- your relationship with them so you have to pay them the right salary so you need right. money for all of this even Absolutely. though you're profitable at some point we've we've chosen not to be profitable uh, at a certain level to to go on and basically be number one. And we always have that choice of going back to profitability, uh, yeah. which is not the case for all startup or tech company. But like if one of the business advice I would give to anyone is like, unless you have something that you know that you, you have to burn through billions of dollars to be the only one, and it's going to be worth trillions of dollars, then that makes sense to only like uh, invest and burn that capital to grow as fast as you can. But like we right. should like sort of an hybrid way where like a mix of like, Profitability, growth, and the right mindset would enable us to still dominate the industry and and and, and keep the lion's share of our right. business. And you and you so you built a strong company to start with. You didn't come in with an idea and saying, "Hey, let's give away ninety percent of the company so we can grow this thing and end up with ten percent of a billion dollar company." You wanted to build a solid yeah. foundation. Exactly. So we're we're still aiming to be a multi billion dollar company. But the point is, like, I would rather do that with a very significant amount of it <laughs> yeah. than not. So uh, that means that I'm going to be a billionaire instead of like uh, enriching other investors. So, but that requires a lot of equity sweat. A lot right. of uh, like, I'm not saying that when you get, you have cash, you're not going to work your ass off. But like, you have to be a bit more uh, well sensitive to cash and a bit yeah. more sensitive to like. There's a lot what, to be said for that. Yeah, you you cannot burn every money or like every penny here is as well spent as it can be. Because you look at it like, ah, it's not our money, so what do we care? You know. Yeah, 
And so we don't, we we cannot have that mindset of like grow at all costs and whatever, we're going to raise another round. And especially in the the market, the current market right now, it's tough to raise money, but we're still doing so. And and things are moving our way. But like, it's because we have that great core of like, like, look, every penny matters in every way. Now, how how much of the company is owned by private equity investors and how much is still owned by you guys? Because you're the three principles, right? And then there's the private equity, that's it? Yeah, 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 exactly. So as of today, uh, we're not disclosing that amount, but there's something that's going to come up shortly. But like you can, uh, but you didn't have to give away like eighty percent of the company. No, I would. No. I, yeah, you can assume that we have more than that. In Your our control, market. you have the controlling interest in the three of you. Let's say that we have more than eighty percent. Oh, okay, good. Well, that's good. So you have a significant control of the company. Yeah. So, now, did you find because of the because of the tactic that you took to meet people and get their advice and stay in touch with them and build a kind of a network? Was that kind of you had people to go to when you started raising capital as the beginning? <laughs> Not necessarily get money from them, but to meet people through them. Did you feel that that helped? Yeah, it re- it really helped. So the question of like who should I talk to next? It was the right. main differentiator. Of course, I th- I think I've met like 150 investors. Okay. Yeah, you got to <laughs> meet a lot of people. I right? just you it's have the numbers to meet game. them. It's a numbers game, but it's also like a track record game. Like they want to see like what you've told them. It's just like a public company. Like if you're telling them that you're going to meet a target and you're not meeting it, then then like a year later when they see you, they're not going to believe in your story. But of course, what we've done is that we've told them like, look, here's where the company is going. Like, and these are the numbers we will achieve. And we started to cultivate those relationships like, uh, four years ago, I started raising capital. Day one of your company, you have to start to build your relationship. Okay, right. A- and then that spectrum will lead to meeting new people and new folks, and ultimately will lead you to meet the right investor. But like, you have to be prepared, and and by being prepared, you should have started uh, like a lot longer before you really need cash because when you need cash, yeah. it's too late. Like, right. And now they know you. They see you're successful. They see you've. Yeah. Yeah. And those Lots successful people, like, 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 uh, the, so the folks that invested, so Stefan Crecy, who invested, he's, he's a, a, a multi billionaire guy who's built a, like a, a, a global company in the cigarette industry field. And he saw himself in the three of us. But like, before investing, there's at least four people that told him, like, look, these guys are doing something great. Like, and that, right. that's how he's like, like, wow, maybe I should talk. That. that carries a lot of weight. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it, 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 it was not nobody that were telling them, telling him that's that thing. Like there were other successful executive businessmen, bankers, and all like various uh, walk of life people were basically telling them like, look, I think you should sit with those folks. And this is how like that deal came up. But like right. we did raise capital in, a, in various ways as well. Like we we get we've gotten court convertible debt uh, before uh, he invested from like a, a big pension fund in Quebec. But like, like oh, okay. the reason why we've got that cash is because four years ago, we went to them and asked them like, look, if you want to invest now, you could do so for $4 million uh, and you would get uh, about uh, 30 to 35% of the business. And they say, well, well, like, look, we don't, we're not sure if that's a thing prove us like what you're doing i'll say okay good like we're gonna do it and and, and then we're gonna come back and see you <laughs> right but not 30 they're gonna have a new valuation it's gonna be much lower <laughs> so now higher, that, i mean yeah, yeah so i think now that what you have to do is uh, make sure that the investor lives with the regret of not having invested at the right, right moment and yeah. that is when 
they start to say, well, maybe now I should write a check. So yeah. yeah now, have um, you turned down people that wanted to invest? Have you ever looked at yep. somebody and say, yeah, they're not right for the company? Yes, we did. Uh, I think okay. I think like that's that's also important because like you you have to make sure that the shareholder that are going to get on board with you are aligned with what that they're not just are. bringing money to the table, right? They're not the just money. like and look like private equity of, of this world is like they're always like I love we're going to give you that much money we're going to take the control of your business and now right. you build something much bigger and I'm like wow this is great money like like when when somebody is telling you like. Every one of you, the three of us, uh, the three, right. the, the three of uh, uh, founders, you're gonna get 100 million each, I, 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 and then we're gonna grow the business. You start to reflect and say, "Hey, that that sounds like a pretty nice offer." Like, let 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 let's, let's reflect on that. But if you strongly believe that it's gonna be worth billions of dollars, right? Why are you giving up your so trajectory? Much control. Nah, right. It doesn't make sense. So so you have to be aligned in various ways. So we did say no to investors that came up with like they were getting it. With the right valuation and, and yeah. pretty significant numbers, but like it didn't make sense at that point for us to say basically give it up. So, but okay. we're, we're still talking and we're still open for business. But as of today, we still believe that there's a lot ahead of us. We're not willing to share too much. Okay, I know we're running out of time, but and you got a busy day, I'm sure. But um, before we talk about like how do people, you know, they can do search for Bosco online. You can find your cameras. It all comes up. Read your story. What what kind of things are coming down the pike for Vosker? Like, what's the, you know, what's the next uh, project or where you're, you know, the direction you're heading at this point? Yeah, so we want to accelerate the the the, the brand uh, awareness thing about the Vosker security. So so the last three years, we really tried to focus on like what is it that the client really wants to get right. as a product uh, because it was still like trying to figure out like. It's data analytics. Right. Like, what are these people using this for? Yeah. And, yeah. and, and uh, do we have the right product? So I think that right now we are at that product market fit that fits uh, the what the client needs right now. So okay. now that we've developed that, we are at this point where we want to accelerate uh, and invest massively into getting uh, into retail and massive retail distribution. So that needs... Uh, In the United States course. too? Like, will I see the cameras at Walmart or something? Well, we're going to try. We're going to try. But like, you, you have to do so. The, the, the big box retailer... We, we are aiming at them. Of course, we do have a relationship with them with like uh, our spy point business. So right, that of course, we can just tell them like, look, we're going to copy paste our success, and you're going to make money out of it. But it will require capital, so people can uh, basically watch us going. But uh, there will be another raise uh, either now or in the future, depending on when the market condition are going to be aligned with like the moment we're going to be needing really to 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 accelerate. Not going to see you show up on Shark Tank one day on TV. Well, I'm not sure. I, th- I think the shark yeah. thing. <laughs> well, maybe I, I'll be one of the shark. That. You're kind of past that. Level, yeah, yeah. Really. yeah. I, I'm looking forward to be one of the shark. But like, yeah, I, I, I'd love I, that. I, I don't think I'll be uh, at the show uh, to present. No, I think right. we're kind of past that. Exactly. Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, Danny, I can't thank you enough. If people want to, it's Vosker.com. Is that the website? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. They can go there. They can do a search on Amazon, whatever they want to follow you. We'll put some links in the show notes to stay in touch. I can't thank you enough. Fantastic story. I love the whole entrepreneurial story, 26 companies going on. You're still involved <laughs> in many businesses. People should interact with you and learn from you and you know, mentor with you and stuff. It's all good for good for you and good for them. And you know, yep. let's stay in touch. I love to follow successful people and the success that they continue to do. And I can't thank you enough for putting the time aside. I forget who introduced us, probably a Butler sister or something, to come <laughs> and tell the tell the story. I think it's a great, great, great story. Well, thank you. Thanks. Thanks again. Uh, it was a pleasure being with you uh, this morning, and I'll be more than happy if I can come back later in the future. Thank you, Mitch, for your time. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of The Accidental Entrepreneur. Opening and closing music written and performed by Howie Moskovich and made to order music. For more information about Howie and his music services, please follow the link in our show notes. If you like the podcast, please tell others about us. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, on Amazon Music, Spotify, and most of the other podcast directories. If you like what you hear, please leave us a five-star review and feel free to share our episodes on social media. If you have any questions or comments, ideas for the show, or you'd even like to appear as a guest, reach out to us by email at info at the Accidental Entrepreneur is hosted by Mitch Beinacker and produced by Beinacker Law. If you'd like to learn more about our business and legal services, you can find us on social media or visit our website at beinackerlaw.com. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to our feed to be notified of all future episodes.